Hi, everyone. Welcome in. It's another Tuesday night at 630. I, I think that's going to be our offseason time. Not really much of an offseason, but, you know, time where there are no games being played. We're going to try and do Connor and coverage at 630 on Tuesday nights going forward. Not keep me up so late at night. Force me to work out earlier in the day. Get to you guys, you know, before dinner. You're getting home. Maybe you're driving home. I hope you're not using your phone while driving at the same time, though. We've all been there. I'm not going to judge you for it. Uh, this is Connor and Coverage. We do this every Tuesday night, talking the latest Georgia news, notes, recruiting updates, mostly football, whatever you guys want to talk about. And as you can see from the headline tonight, we're going to be talking about the Georgia offense. We're going to touch a little on Jermaine Burton, since that's all anyone really wants to see him to talk about and we'll get into all that. Obviously we're going to take your questions at the end of the show there as well. Don't have a whole lot of produced segments tonight, but we're going to start with walking you through what the starting offense I think is going to look like against Oregon to start the season next year and some opening thoughts on that. And then we'll dovetail into Jermaine Burton talk there a little bit and maybe even cut it in when we're talking about the wide receivers there as well, since obviously that seems to be the biggest sort of news here as of late when it comes to, talking about the Georgia football program and obviously Burton transferring from Georgia to Alabama uh, entered the transfer portal last week. Not all that surprised he ends up at Bama. I think if you're going to leave a championship program, uh, you're going to go to a place like Alabama where you can both contend for a national championship. But I do think they're the overwhelming favorites and sitting here right now on January 25th, I'd be stunned if George, if Alabama rather doesn't win the national title next season with all that they have coming back. And it, it, it's hard to, from Jermaine's perspective, not look at what Alabama has done with the wide receiver in position, what they stand to lose this offseason at that spot and say, hey, you know, that, that's a spot where I can really, I think, come in a la Jamison Williams and really turn myself into a first round pick. Not that he couldn't have done that at Georgia, but it'll be interesting to sort of see how all that plays out. And obviously you guys, I'm sure, have a ton of talking points on that. But before we get to that, Let's talk about the offense as a whole and what it's going to look like in 2022. Average 38.6 points per game this season. I believe six that over 6,000 total yards ranked second in the SEC in offense. And a lot of the key contributors are coming back, especially at the skill position spots. Obviously, you lose George Pickens. You lose Jermaine Burton at the wide receiver room. We'll get into that. You lose your top two running backs in James Cook and Zamir White. You lose your top two offensive linemen in, in Jamari Sawyer and Justin Schaefer. But... I think this offense is still in a very good position, especially if Todd Munkin ends up sticking around, which I think at this point he will, depending on, you know, obviously how the NFL shakes out. The New Orleans Saints head coaching job came open today, and I'm not saying Munkin is going to go be a head coach there, but he is looking for, I think, a, a stable NFL play callers job. And we'll see if that job becomes available because I would point out right now, I don't necessarily think that, the jobs that have come open at this point have that, you know, it's not like the Los Angeles chargers have an opening and Todd Munkin go dial up plays for Justin Herbert as it stands right now. So we'll see how all that shakes out, but I'm acting going forward as Todd Munkin is going to be play caller for this Georgia team in 2022. And that's a great thing because I, I think Todd Munkin does a really incredible job of both doing what I think, what Kirby smart, Kirby smart rather wants to do within the confines of his offense, you know, have a physical running attack, be explosive in the passing game while also adding in wrinkles and calling plays that quite frankly, I think an NFL level, he's an NFL capable play caller. And the fact that he is doing so at the college level, I think as Alabama has shown in recent seasons, as LSU stumbled into with Joe Brady a few years ago, when you have an NFL capable play caller calling plays at a college level, you have a significant advantage over, I think the personnel that is usually occupying the offensive coordinator role at the college level. So 
We'll start with quarterback. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be really interested to see how Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff develop this spring. But as it stands right now and going into the 2022 season, I expect Stetson Bennett to be your starter here. He is a guy, 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions a season ago, made real strides. And even though not everyone may not want to admit it, made strides as a passer. And while he was nervy for, I would say, the first three quarters of said national championship game, when he needed to make plays late in that fourth quarter, he was four for four down the stretch, 80 yards, and his last two passes of the game both went for touchdowns. So I, I think while we'll, we'll obviously get deeper into Beck and Vandergriff and what this spring and what we need to see from them, Stetson Bennett with more experience, I think, has room to get better. Obviously, he can cut down on turnover-worthy plays, but with more reps, more experience, more trust in this wide receiver core that, quite frankly, was sort of a revolving door this season due to all the injuries they sustained. If there's more stability at that wide receiver position. You could see Stetson Bennett's stats pop up a little bit, and I think that's something you're going to need to see from Georgia going forward this season because while there's still a lot of talent on this Georgia defense – you don't lose what I think will be three first-round picks on the defensive line and three, I think, linebackers who are going to be taken in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. You don't lose that kind of production and still maintain the level of eliteness. So they might go from, say, the number one defense in the country to, say, the number five defense in the country when it's all said and done. But especially, I think, that opening month of September when, you know, against Oregon in Atlanta and then at South Carolina week three, those are going to be games that are going to be, you're going to need to see Georgia's offense. I think carry them. And I think Stetson Bennett is going to be the guy to do that to start the year. Now, I think this spring is huge for Brack Vandergriff and Carson Beck. If one of those guys is able to make significant strides and really push Stetson Bennett, I wouldn't stun me if, you know, Georgia finds a way specifically with Brock Vandergriff, given his running skill set and what you may be able to do with him there run some more package plays a little like we saw in 2018 with Justin Fields, but I would think maybe perhaps on a wider level because Stetson, even though he is going into his final year, Georgia, I think also has to keep an eye on the future of its quarterback room. And that future as I've maintained for a while now is Brock Vandergriff. And you can include Carson back there as well. He is still with the program and he could absolutely have a great spring. Had, I think a very good spring last season and Ended spring practice is the clear number two quarterback. Obviously, things change in the fall, and that's where Stetson Bennett sort of passes him up. And I'll be honest, I didn't come away all that impressed from Carson Beck's limited reps, and again, limited reps against UAB and Vanderbilt early on in the season, whereas Stetson came out the UAB game, he was flawless. He was flawless. So I do think that all sort of plays into it. But this spring, I'm really interested to sort of see how Carson and Brock develop, especially with more reps in practice. I don't know how many more reps Stetson needs in spring practice, uh, but but I think this spring really should be focused on the growth. And you can include Gunnar Stockton there as well. I'll be interested to sort of see what we get from him. Traditionally, freshman quarterbacks, and I say traditionally, under Todd Munkin's system, freshman quarterbacks have been pretty much an afterthought in terms of seeing the field. Brock Vandergriff was this year. Carson Beck was his freshman season there as well. So not unlike some other programs, it does take maybe a year to sort of get up to speed there. Transitioning to running back, I think Kenny McIntosh is going to be your number one, but Ken Milton's going to be your number one B. And they're not quite what I think Zamir White and, and, and James Cook were for you this last season. Well, they're still darn good players. Kenny McIntosh is going to be able to make plays in the passing game. He's got great hands and is able to run and break tackles and be a shifty player. I think Kendall Milton, while he's going to need to stay healthy, 
uh, if he is able to do so, he's going to be a physical running threat and do a lot of the same things I think Zamir White was able to do this season. And he might even have perhaps a little bit more long-term explosion than Zamir does in terms of breaking off long runs. So it, it, the big thing with me, with Kendall, if he's able to stay healthy, I think you're going to see some positive plays and positive yardage out of them. The one thing that I'm going to be interested in is who takes up that third running back role? Because when this Georgia offense has been running at its best and made those deep season runs, you think, 2019 or excuse me this past season with Kenny McIntosh and then DeAndre Swift in 2017 those guys both finished with over 400 yards total offense factoring in as both runners and receivers is that Dijon Edwards is that Branson Robinson uh I think Edwards is a fantastic player and a guy who I'd like to see what he could do with more touches against say first string defense And he's going to have the opportunity to do so because it stands right now, Georgia only has three scholarship running backs during spring practice. So monitoring that, I think Edwards is going to get a lot of run in spring practice. And then from there, Branson Robinson doesn't arrive until this summer. So I do think that gives Dejon Edwards a chance to really establish himself, put himself in a good position to where he can show off some of his versatility and be an impact player in this Georgia offense. I think he's a really talented player and someone you're going to see a lot from going forward. And so the development of Dejon Edwards, I think, is maybe the story to watch there, along with, I would say, Kendall Milton's health this spring. Wide receiver, I think you like what you have at some certain spots, but the bigger thing here is you have upside, but you need set upside guys to stay healthy, to be able to stay on the field. And I think Adonai Mitchell is going to be your starting X receiver, your physical outside guy. I I think a guy who, if he can improve on some of the drop issues that he had at times this season, could really emerge as a more consistent, you know, I don't know if he can get to say what George Pickens did in 2019, but you think maybe like what Riley Ridley did in 2018, Javon Wims in 2017 type wide receiver there who can go make physical contested catches on the outside, win one-on-one like you saw him do in the national championship game there. I think right now, Lad McConkey is going to be your starting wide receiver, your other outside starting receiver. And I know some people might say, well, wouldn't Lad be more of a slot? As the season went on, Lad McConkey was playing a good bit outside. And so, and, and Georgia likes what he's able to do. He's a versatile weapon that they can move around and put in, in, in advantageous positions for them. You saw he had the long touchdown against Auburn there on the road. He had a touchdown in the game against Alabama. He's someone who I think, has a potential to get better and another year in Todd Munkin's offense, they're going to find more ways to get him involved. And quite frankly, I think the usage rate of Ladd McConkey is part of the story as to why Jermaine Burton is no longer on this team because McConkey and Adonai Mitchell as well, Aiden of the snap count that Jermaine Burton had just given how frequently Georgia tends to rotate wide receivers in there. And so a lot of these guys are going to play. I think at the slot receiver position, I would go with Kyrus Jackson right now. Kyrus announces today he's coming back. He was very clearly not the same player he was in 2020. And I think that offseason knee injury really slowed him down, prevented him from from building off what he did in 2020. But he's fully healthy this spring. I think those reps are going to help him and help him improve. We've seen before he has developed a, a chemistry with Stetson Bennett. And in doing so there, I think that's going to put them in this offense in a very good place going forward. And there are options behind them that I've 
personally really liked in the past. You just have to tell me what you're getting from a health standpoint. I think Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint has shown he's going to be a guy who's willing to do the dirty work and can make contested catches. He may not have the same twitchiness or extra gear that saying to Donnie Mitchell has, but I think he can be a contributor for you on the outside. Arian Smith, when he's been able to be on the field, he's a difference maker. I, I think he's got a chance to be your most explosive player next year, a guy who can really replace a lot of the production that Jermaine Burton, George Pickens, James Cook provided in terms of their explosiveness in the passing game. But he's got to stay healthy. Uh, I believe he's only played something like 20 career snaps to this point in his time at Georgia on the offensive side of the ball. But if he's able to stay healthy, dedicate himself, I'll be interested to see what sort of health update we get on him. Uh, given, I believe he had a broken leg to end last season. We'll see where he is at in terms of being ready to go for spring football, because I think a, a spring practice for him would be huge, especially provided that he's able to stay healthy. And Dominic Blaylock as well, a guy who not only battled injuries in, in 2020, but did so again this season, dealing coming back from the knee injury, dealing with the hamstring injury there as well. What we're able to see and get out of him, I think he can be a useful weapon, similar to the way Georgia had used Lad McConkey at times this season. We'll see where he's at from an athleticism standpoint, from a GPS number standpoint. And if he's able to get back to what he was in 2019 for this offense, I think he could be another weapon that Georgia uses there on the outside going forward. I'd also add, I do think you should monitor the transfer portal for Georgia going out and adding a wide receiver. I mean, in an ideal world, Jermaine Burton's the perfect type of receiver to add from a transfer portal standpoint, but Georgia, I think, is also going to be picky there in the sense that they want guys who fit certain parameters. You look at the guys they took last offseason, uh, Darian Kendrick, cornerback from Clemson, Arik Gilbert, tight end from LSU, uh, Tyke Smith from West Virginia, and even West Virginia, there may have been a little, uh, excuse me, for Tyke Smith, there may have been a little buyer's remorse there with Smith maybe not fitting the size speed parameters that they thought they were getting in him. They want high profile, high major players who have been in big time programs and know the sort of work that it takes to go into that. And while we're touching on wide receivers here, I'll throw Rick Gilbert's name in there uh, because a lot of people ask about him. He is on campus. He is in classes. We'll see Roll Spring, where he is at in terms of being with this team, in terms of being out there on the field, going through workouts. I'm sure when Georgia football eventually drops their offseason workout videos, people are going to be combing through that, looking for Rick's face. Uh, if you have expectations for Rick Gilbert, I don't really know what to tell you at this point, but I, I think he is something who... He's got the talent if he's able to put everything together and get to a spot where he is able to help this team out. He absolutely has the talent to do so. I think you could see him do it at both the wide receiver and tight end positions. But if you're expecting him to be the best receiver on this team, uh, just based on where he was as a recruit, I don't think that's necessarily fair. And I think your, your expectations might let you down once again. I, I think we all sort of know where we should be at in terms of Rory Gilbert and, and expecting things from him at this point in time. Tight end position, and I sort of just listed three wide receivers there. You're still going to see a ton of 12 personnel, two tight end sets from Georgia this season. You're going to see, obviously, Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. Brock Bowers, nothing more needs to be said. He was Georgia's best pass catcher last season. Darnell, with John Fitzpatrick going on in the NFL, I think that opens up more opportunities, certainly opens up more snaps for him, more opportunities. And Darnell didn't have the sophomore season he wanted. And I think that preseason foot injury really hindered that. And if you looked at under Kirby Smart, guys that have injuries in the month of August, it's when you've required to not only miss that practice time, but miss those first couple games in the season, it's really hard for you to catch up and, and live up to these sort of expectations that people think you're going to meet. And so if Darnell is able to get through spring practice and get through fall practice healthy, I do think he's someone who is going to 
create more mismatches and get more targets this coming season. No, no John Fitzpatrick there certainly opens up more snaps for him there as well. Obviously Georgia has two older guys and Ryland Godey and Brett Scyther guys who haven't exactly contributed a ton. We'll see what becomes of them. Oscar Delp is a really exciting player and I'll be interested to see what he gives this offense this spring. I think he is too talented a player for Georgia to not find a way to get him involved. If you want to read more on Oscar Delp, check out Jeff Centel's story on Delp last night. Well worth your time. Well worth your read. He has been cranking out content uh, from his various recruiting travels where he was all over the place in the months of December and January. Offensive line, we touched on it off the top and I'll try and be quick here because you know, people don't exactly love the offensive line as much as I do, but it's a really interesting group. I think we all know Broderick Jones is going to be your starting left tackle. Uh, him occupying that space in the national championship game against Alabama. I thought he came in and played really well. Most impressively for me in that game was his ability as a run blocker to come in and, and really change the way Georgia was moving the ball in that standpoint. And that's something to me that really opened my eyes because with Broderick, you know, the pass blocking isn't isn't really the issue. He's got the athleticism to be one-on-one out there on the edge against some of the best guys in the SEC. It was always, you know, is he physical enough? Is he tough enough to to be that starting left tackle? And I think he answered a lot of those questions in the national championship game there. Georgia does have two openings really in the guard spots. Left guard, I'm going to say Tate Ratledge, I think is going to be the starting left guard for this team. Uh, was absolutely going to be the starting right guard until obviously he breaks his foot in the opening drive against Clemson there. We'll see where he is at from a spring practice health standpoint. But I think he is a guy you feel comfortable at one of your guard spots. And given what we've seen at that left guard spot before, Justin Schaefer, um, Solomon Kinley before him, those physical guys really do well there. And Tate fits that to a T. I thought he was going to be Georgia's most physical offensive lineman uh, this season. And I think he's going to be a very good player, provided he's able to get on the field. So we'll see where he is at in terms of recovering from said foot injury and going forward. But I think he's going to be one of your starting guards. And I would pencil him in at that left guard spot. Center, it's Cedric Van Pran Granger. He you know, started the year in part because Warren Erickson picked up an injury in camp. And we touched on that before and the role that sometimes can play. And Van Pran, Van Pran Granger got better every game of the season. I think you feel very comfortable with what you have at that starting center spot in Cedric Van Pran Granger. Probably, other than maybe Warren McClendon, maybe the most secure guy on this team in terms of what his role is going to be going forward. Right guard, uh, this is a dartboard. Uh, you you can throw a dart at this and land on 20 different options. Uh, 20 might be a bit strong, but I, I think there are, there are four guys that I'm really interested in seeing how this plays out. Warren Erickson is the incumbent. He is the veteran. He is a guy that has played uh, a lot of football for Georgia. Uh, at the worst, Warren Erickson is going to be your sixth offensive lineman, a guy that can come in in certain looks and packages there, move him around. I don't know exactly what led to him getting pulled from the national championship game, whether it was performance-based or injury-based. That's something only really the coaching staff and Warren probably know. But he's got the experience there, and he's going to be someone that – these other guys are going to have to work really hard to unseat. I would mention Xavier Truss, big physical guy, came in in the Tennessee game when Warren was feeling a little under the weather. We'll see what becomes of him. I believe this will be his fourth year in the program, so we'll see if he's able to make that leap. Devin Willick, another big-bodied guy, been in the program for a few years, has incredible upside if he's able to push onto the field. He's been on the two deep in recent seasons. And the wild card to me is Amarius Mims because I don't think Mims is going to break in as one of your tackles this season because you have Broderick Jones and then Warren McClendon on the other side who are two just rock-solid options there. 
But Mims is an incredibly talented offensive lineman, incredible specimen. I believe 6'7", 320 pounds, great athlete. And sort of like what Alabama did with Evan Neal, even though he's not your ideal offensive guard, he might just be too talented to keep off the field. And if Georgia feels comfortable with what Mims has given them, I think that's the place where you could see him slide in and really make an impact there. But that right guard spot... As closed off as I think the right tackle spot is with Warren McClendon, that right guard spot is wide open in terms of who's going to be there. And I think that's going to be, as unsexy as this sounds, one of the more intriguing position battles to watch going into not just spring practice, but fall practice as well and see who really separates themselves and earns that starting nod to open the season against Oregon. And then right tackle, similar to center spot, I don't think we really need to spend a whole lot of time. Warren McClendon is just a really, really good offensive tackle, sound, great in pass protection. You know what you're getting out there, a guy who is probably going to be on some all-SEC list to start the season. I actually think even though you lose Jamari Sawyer and you lose Justin Schaefer, two all-SEC type guys, guys that are going to go picked in the NFL draft, potentially even both day two guys there, you've got an offensive line that I actually think if it comes together and they're able to stay healthy, you've got an offensive line that I think by the end of next season can actually be in a better spot than the offensive line we saw this year. So I like where the offensive line is at. There's talent in both the wide receiver and running back rooms. They just need, I think, some key guys to stay healthy there for those guys to really hit their potential. And then quarterback, I still expect it to be Stetson, but I'm going to be really interested to see how Brock Vandergriff, Carson Beck, and Gunnar Stockton all sort of develop at those positions there. And then 20 minutes. Good job. Fair enough. Uh, we'll answer your questions coming up shortly. I do want to touch a little bit here on Burton. Uh, he transfers to Alabama, obviously controversial for a number of reasons. It's a lot to me, like Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma city and, and joining the golden state warriors after the 2016 season, Alabama comes up short in the national title game, much like golden state did. Granted golden state beat Oklahoma city, Georgia beat Alabama. So there's a slight difference there, but Durant made that decision because from a basketball standpoint, it was the best move for his career. He wanted to win titles. That was a title-ready team. He went in there and put them over the top and, and beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2017, won again in 2018, and had he not torn his Achilles, would have done so again in 2019. I think with Jermaine Burton, and we've all seen his tweet now, you know, sort of responding to what Mikal Hardman said. And I think what Mikal Hardman said is fair and it's understandable, especially from a large section of the fan base. But at the same point in time, Jermaine made his point, you know, he's doing what he thinks is best for his career and he's earned the right to do so. And I think the larger issue that comes about here is from the transfer portal, you know, football and college football and the NFL is sort of the same way. It is a team game. It is all about a team concept. You need Uh, you need 11 guys on offense and 11 guys on defense all doing their job. And if you're doing that, you're winning football games like Georgia won the national title this season. But at the same point in time, you have guys, especially at a college level who are looking out for themselves as individuals to get to a point to where they can be, you know, an NFL draft pick and particularly a high NFL draft pick. And I do think Jermaine has the talent to be an NFL draft, uh, a high NFL draft pick. And for a variety of reasons, he did not feel that his skill set was being optimized at the University of Georgia. And so he went to Alabama, a place that has pretty reliably churned out high-level NFL draft pick wide receivers. Jamison Williams was going to be a first-round pick before his ACL injury and might even be one after. I think you can say the same potentially for John Mechie. He's probably a guy who's going in the second round even with an ACL injury there. So those guys, they've had three – they've had two two, uh, two 1,000-yard wide receivers in the last three years. Georgia as a program has one 1,000-yard receiver – 
and its history combined. I, I think we've seen the comments made by Terrence Edwards here as now as well. You can check those comments out from his interview last Thursday on Dog Nation Daily with Brandon Adams. Uh, guys like stats. They want to put up numbers. And Jermaine Burton, while he's a very good player and has, I think, an NFL future in front of him, he doesn't have, I think, the athletic gifts that, say, George Pickens did, that, say, Jalen Waddell did to overcome uh, some of those, you know, why don't you have X number of stats? Uh, because I have done the research. The average first-round draft pick wide receiver in the last five NFL drafts, 70 catches, 1,133 yards, 10 and a half touchdowns. Both the average and the mean come out to that. So, or average and median come out to that. So, Jermaine Burton probably wasn't going to put up those numbers next season for Georgia. I'd be really surprised if he did. And, and so, you understand why he feels the need to go show off those stats and those numbers. Obviously, it's a crummy situation given Alabama is a major thorn for Georgia. I think if you wanted to call them a rival at this point, that is not that is not out of the question. These teams have played each other, I think, five times over the last five years off the top of my head there. Yeah, they didn't, the only time they didn't play was in 2019. They played five times in that span. They're probably going to play a sixth time in 2022. And so going forward, these are two teams competing for titles, competing for championships. And you can even say Georgia now, actually, this is a rivalry with Alabama, given that Georgia has finally beaten Alabama. And I think all that adds into the fact that you know, Georgia fans still don't like Alabama. Alabama, even though Georgia won the national title and is at the moment at the top of the college football world, Alabama still looms over all of this. And so because of that, you get sort of this perfect storm of, I think, hostility that isn't just blamed or aimed at Jermaine Burton. You have people mad at, say, Kirby Smart. You have people mad at, at Stetson Bennett because they're always going to be mad at Stetson Bennett for whatever reason. You have people mad at the NCAA and the transfer portal at large because they've allowed stuff like this to go on. You have people mad at the SEC. Uh, and, and really, you know, it has taken an individual decision that was made by Jermaine Burton as a chance to better himself and better his career and it has a lot of people asking a lot of questions, which some are fair, some are not. And it'll be interesting to see what Kirby Smart eventually has to say about this. He's obviously not going to lambast Burton or, or anything along the lines of that. But from a more philosophical standpoint, you know, the transfer portal is still going to be a question that coaches get asked and not just specific players, but how you go about getting players that are more likely to end up in the transfer portal, because I absolutely believe that that is something that guys like Kirby Smart and Nick Saban are looking for in recruits, guys who aren't likely to end up in the transfer portal, guys who are going to want to stick things out. And even when things might not be going best for them as individuals, I think it's something you're going to see where they still are willing to sacrifice for the team concept there. And so with that, on Jermaine Burton, and I'm sure the comment section is popping off. We will open it up for questions here and what you have to say there. So I see YouTube. I see Facebook. Uh, you got any questions either on the Georgia offense or Jermaine Burton. Whatever you guys want to talk about, we will fire away. Let's see. Brian Burton, good to see you. Or Burnett, excuse me. Uh, let's see. Kirby's Pfizer, good to see you. comments, questions. Uh, Chris Collins. Uh, yeah, so going forward, I, I touched on this at the top of the show. We're going to do Connor and coverage at 6.30 going forward uh, on Tuesdays in the offseason. Opens up my nights a little bit more, you know, sitting around waiting till 8 o'clock and finishing at 9. It's not an ideal time for me personally. So 
if we're able to do these at 630, we're going to aim to do them at 630 on Tuesday nights. And I, I think I do a pretty good job of holding myself to that. And so that that's going to be the plan going forward. Let's see. Comments, thoughts, questions. Uh, Brian asking about Arik. Uh, Gilbert, we touched on this earlier tonight. He's with the team. You know, we don't exactly know how much he's doing in terms of offseason workouts, but he was spotted at the championship parade. He is in classes. I, I think he is trying to put himself in a position where he can contribute for this football team. But that's ultimately got to be something that Arik does. And personally speaking here, why I'm rooting for him to do so until I see him out there lined up taking snaps in Sanford Stadium or in this case in Mercedes-Benz Stadium against Oregon week one, I'm just going to be a little skeptical of what we're going to get from Marie Gilbert. He's got to take care of other things before he takes care of himself as a football player. Let's see. Uh, Randy Hall, uh, Roger Jones is not going to be an offensive guard. He's going to be your starting left tackle next season. I do think you could see Amarius Mims at right guard. I think that's going to be a very interesting battle. And so, I, like, there's a lot of talent in this offensive line room. I got guys that I didn't even mention: Dylan Fairchild, Michael Morris, Jared Wilson, all 2020 signees who I could see pushing for playing time uh, if things go well for them in the spring and then again in the fall. Yeah, John, this is uh, this is going to be something that Kirby Smart is going to be asked about in terms of transferring within conference because Georgia's had eight players enter the transfer portal. Seven of them have found new homes. Of those seven, five are going to other SEC programs, and three of them Georgia's going to see again next year. They're going to go see Jalen Kimber when they take on Florida on October 31st or 29th. I think it's the 29th. They're going to go see – it is the 29th. They're going to go see Justin Robinson on November 12th when they play Mississippi State in Starkville. They're going to go see Lavasse Carroll when they play South Carolina on the 17th of September. They're going to see those guys again. They're probably going to see Jermaine Burton in the SEC championship game. So I, I do wonder, and Al, look, this is not a problem unique to Georgia. I think you've seen Alabama have issues with this. I, I think eventually if LSU gets its act together, you could see that program having to st- deal with stuff like this, maybe even Texas A&M. I do think there's an unfairness to those top programs in your conference. You know, Georgia, Alabama right now, we'll see if another program is able to get into that sort of sphere on a consistent basis where you've got middle tier programs who are able to come in and get guys who, you know, Jalen Kimber was probably going to be a contributor for Georgia this year. Uh, Jermaine Burton definitely was for, for Georgia and I, for Georgia. So you're getting guys who, who played roles for these teams to transfer to other programs and they've earned the right to do so. And again, they're making decisions for them on an individual basis. But at a certain point, you do wonder if maybe the SEC does try to step in here and say, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe this interconference freedom does need to slow down a little bit. So Killian worthy. Good to see you there. Let's see. Uh, Reggie Walker prediction on JT Daniels destination. A lot of this is still going to shake out because JT Daniels is being held up right now by what Caleb Williams ultimately decides to do. He has not made a decision that a lot of chatter about Wisconsin today, which I think would be a fascinating place to see him end up. Uh, And then from there, you know, they're waiting on Jackson dart to decide where he's going to end up. So JT Daniels has to probably wait for some of the chairs and music to settle down before he finds an ultimate destination and landing spot there. I throw out there. And again, this is not an informed decision uh, with knowing what JT wants to do, but Georgia Southern hired Clay Helton. Clay Helton recruited 
Daniels to USC there. I'd monitor that. There's there's a relationship there. We'll see how that goes. But obviously, a lot of other steps have to play out with JT Daniels and the transfer portal there next year. So let's see. Uh, Mark Thornton, what's the deal with Ryan Davis? I believe he had a quad injury that kept him out this season. He's going to be a guy that's going to compete for snaps there at the linebacker spot. And I'll be interested to see what we see from Tresman Marshall and Ryan Davis this season, because those have been guys who I believe they're both top 100 prospects coming in, but because of injuries, they've lost maybe a little bit of their shine. They haven't gotten on the field in the way I think they imagined being done. So, and let's be real that 2020, excuse me, 2021 linebacker class that Georgia brought in that has some dudes in it. Jamon Dumas, Don, yeah, let me try that again. Jamon Dumas Johnson is going to be a stud. That guy just made plays every chance he was on the field this season. Uh, you've got another guy in um, Shmael Munden, who I think is a really talented player who who has a high upside, obviously a former five-star recruit. Xavier and Sori did some nice things at the end of the season. And I, I think I see someone, so, saw someone earlier touch on Robert Beal and Nolan Smith. Those guys coming back probably keep Sori at the inside linebacker position. So I'm going to be really interested to see how Ryan Davis and Tresman Marshall do this spring because George is also bringing in some talented inside linebackers as well in the 2022 recruiting class in CJ Washington and Jalen Walker. So that room is going to be very talented. Uh, Randy Hall touched on this earlier tonight. I think Kyrus Jackson is going to be your starting sp- slot, but with the way Georgia rotates receivers, they're going to have options. You're going to see Arian Smith get snaps there. You're going to see Lad McConkey get snaps there. You're going to see Dominic Blaylock get snaps there, but I think I, I, my bet right now is Kyrus Jackson. Let's see. Comments. Uh, and Andre McBride, uh, transfer portal target, wide receiver. Uh, I, I, and it's going to be interesting because depending on how many recruits Georgia ends up signing on, on February 2nd with national signing day, that's going to give us a better you know, theoretical idea of where Georgia stands in terms of the numbers count. But my unofficial count right now, they're looking to be at about 94 uh, scholarship players. That number's got to get down to 85. So you do the math there. They're probably going to have another nine, eight, nine guys hit the transfer portal potentially. Now, Georgia can get creative with their math. We don't know officially if those super seniors count against the 85-man scholarship. I'm acting under the assumption that they do because that's sort of been the scuttlebutt there. But if they don't, that number cuts down by, I believe, at this point, four because you have Stetson Bennett, Chris Smith, William Poole, and Robert Beal taking advantage of that super senior season. So... Uh, Christopher Irving, I do see your Darnell Washington comment. Um, I've heard, I've, I've heard those rumblings, but he's still on the team. He's not in the portal yet. And I think at this point in time, I still envision him being on the team going forward. And he's got an opportunity this year. You know, you lose Jermaine Burton, you lose George Pickens, you lose some of those more athletic upside guys. Darnell, if he's able to stay healthy and get on the field, and I think he will be with no John Fitzpatrick there this year for Georgia, who I am a huge fan of and will be rooting for at the NFL level, uh, there's more opportunities for Darnell this year, even obviously with Brock Bowers coming back. And I understand the sort of fascination with Darnell, five-star prospect, just a true athletic freak, but I, I still, at the end of the day, will go home saying I'd rather have, you know, 
Brock Bowers is better than we ever really, I think, envisioned Darnell Washington being. And so that's something maybe a lot of people, you know, they see what Brock is doing and like, why can't Darnell do that? Well, that's because Brock Bowers is an incredible player, a, a true, I think, one of one in college football and a guy that pretty clearly, you know, and granted, uh, you know, recruiting and the rankings last year were so messed up because so many states didn't play fall football and, and Brock Bowers himself didn't have a senior season. I bet if he did, he would have been a much, much more talked about recruit. So let's see. Thoughts, comments. Uh, Sino G uh, on YouTube. Nolan Smith, it'll be interesting to see if he does become a top 10 pick. Uh, he's not going to have the physical measurements that those typical edge rushers that go up that high do, but I think he's got a chance. If he plays like he did at the end of the season in the college football playoff, he's going to be, I think, a first-round draft pick. I've been driving the Jailer Carter bus since day one. That guy is an absolute stud. He's a brick house. Uh, I, you know, obviously, I think you're going to lose three first round draft picks off this defensive line uh, in Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker, and Devontae Wyatt. But Jalen Carter is going to cause a lot of problems for for teams next year, and it would not surprise me in the slightest if Jalen Carter is a top ten pick. Let's see. Uh, let's scroll down here a little bit. Uh, Miller time asking on YouTube, is Dominic playing like healthy? I think so. Uh, based on what we heard at the end of the season, it seems like he is getting to a point where he was getting his GPS numbers back to where they needed to be. But with it being so late in the year and Georgia having so many guys on the, on the roster ahead of him, that's maybe why we didn't see him as much. And I think this spring is going to be very big for him. If he's able to, to get through this, and be a healthy player. I think he's going to position himself well come this fall to be a big time contributor for this team. He's just got to stay on the field and stay healthy. Let's see. Thoughts, comments. I see Noah, Noah Sheldon is in here stirring things up. So let's see. Comments, questions. Uh, Michael Clayton. Yeah. Mike is taking some much needed uh, PTO this week. That's why he was not, uh, we did not have on the beat last night. Uh, John Williams. I do think, I do think there's a chance we see a Gilbert at wide receiver. Uh, just given what Georgia has in its tight end room, you know, there are people wanting to see Darnell Washington get more snaps. Well, you can't really have that. If Reed Gilbert is eating into that, I could certainly see them doing something similar this season where they, they did a lot of 13 personnel, one running back, three tight ends could maybe include Gilbert in that there, but I do think there's a chance we see him as a wide receiver going forward. Um, Country Swag 77 on YouTube. Uh, will Milton be the lead dog out of the backfield? They're going to want to get Kenny McIntosh involved, and Kenny's a really good player, uh, a guy who makes plays in the passing game. You know, Maybe not quite the in-between-the-tackles runner that Kendall Milton is, but those guys are going to be, I think, like Zamir White and James Cook were this year, 1A and 1B options where depending on the game and circumstance, Kenny McIntosh might be the favorite sometimes. Kendall Milton might be more important in other times there. But I do think Kendall Milton, this junior year is going to be a really big year for him. He's got to prove that he can stay healthy. But the talent, I believe, is absolutely there when it comes to Milton and what he can do going forward. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jay Hart. Well, Jalen Carter already has a receiving touchdown. He got it his freshman year, I believe against Tennessee. And I could absolutely see them doing that again. Uh, he, he is just an unreal athlete. Let's see. 
Uh, league outings. So to the Branson Robinson point, one, I'm a big fan of Dejon Edwards. I think he's a really talented running back, and I think there's some similarities here with what those two guys do. As far as Branson, the other thing that is working against him a little bit is that he is not going to arrive until the summer. And with what we've seen from freshmen before with Kirby Smart, if you're going to make an early impact, it's going to you're going to have to get here early. You're going to have to be an early enrollee. Now, running back's a little bit of a different position. I don't think there's as steep a learning curve. And in terms of a physical standpoint, Branson Robinson is probably as physically impressive a recruit as we've seen in some time there. So it'll be interesting there to see how that goes. Uh, Keith Lamb, you're asking about Heinz Ward. I'd say no, but it's sort of an update on that. I would expect that to come after National Signing Day. Let the dust settle. I mean, if you've been following where Kirby Smart has been in, uh, on social media this week, he's all over the place. He's At this point in time, he's not sitting down interviewing wide receiver coaches and, and, and doing all that comes into that. I think that's going to be something that takes a little bit more time to develop there. Let's see... Uh, Larry Horton, who is replacing Jake Kamari. That's going to be interesting to watch. Brett Thorson, Georgia signed him. He is enrolled on campus. Uh, he's from Australia, down under. Uh, I'm sure he's going to get real sick of that uh, after about one minute with the UGA beat members. But that is the guy I would expect to watch there. You know, Maybe they try and get Jared Zirkel involved there, but I, I think Brett Thorson is the name to watch as Georgia's punter this season. Let's see. Uh, Robert Lewis Bailey. This is a good question. What other returning D lineman will make an impact? Um, I think Azir Sackhouse is a guy I'm really interested to see how he develops. He made some some plays earlier this season when there was a rotation in, in bloods and a guy I came away impressed with. Zion Logue is going to be your Jordan Davis replacement there. Obviously, Michael Williams is going to finish as a top 10 player in the 2022 recruiting class. Already on campus for Georgia, going through bowl practices with the team. I think he's a guy who's going to be very, very impressive. And I think similar to what we saw out of Trayvon Walker early on as a freshman in terms of, you know, he's not exactly the same athlete that Trayvon Walker was. Trayvon Walker is one of the great athletes George has had in recent times. But a guy who can come in on the pass rush uh, packages and make an impact there. I think Michael is probably the guy to watch there as well. Warren Brinson is another guy to watch. Uh, a guy playing a little bit behind Jalen Carter because he they, they play the same position, but those two guys, I think, are very, very good players. Let's see. Thoughts, comments. There you go. You see Stackhouse. You see Milton. We'll do one more and get out of here. Good 45 minutes. So... Uh, Brandon Dawson. I see because this is not the first question asked about Harold Perkins. I don't think Georgia's going to end up getting him. Uh, I've, I've seen LSU. I've seen Florida. I watched J- Jackson State with him there as well. But a name to maybe monitor is if you're looking for a linebacker, EJ Lightsey from uh, Fitzgerald High School down there in South Georgia, a guy who I believe visited Georgia this past weekend. Seems like a Georgia-South Carolina battle. I do think if Georgia's going to add a linebacker to this class, Lightsley is the name to know there. And we'll know that next Wednesday because that's when National Signing Day is. Uh, this time next week, we'll be previewing that there for you and all that Jog Nation is planning to do that day as well. Christian Miller is set to announce his decision that day as well. Four-star defensive tackle, big Georgia recruiting target, obviously. Uh, Darius Smith, Jordan James, and Dylan Bell are the guys who will currently commit and we'll see where they all end up signing. Let's see. 
Let's do one more question. Let's make it a good one. Uh, yeah, Randy Hall, or I should have mentioned, Tramiel Waltower, I think he's going to be your starting defensive end, fill the role that Trayvon Walker had this season. You know, maybe more than Malik Herringwell, not exactly the most flashy defender, but a guy who just does his job and plays a really solid role there. Let's see. Thoughts, comments. Um, let's go to the bottom. There we go. Um, let's see. All right. So I did see this. Uh, hold on. Uh, Jim Withrow, uh, starting secondary. So I think you feel really good about Keely Ringo as your starting cornerback. I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time there. Conversely, I think Chris Smith is going to be one of your starting safeties. You love what you saw from him this season, got better as the season went on. Not too many players in recent years can say they have interceptions in games against Clemson and Alabama. I think that's very impressive from Smith. Going to be a veteran leader for this safety, similar to what J.R. Reed was, I think, in, in 2019 for this team. William Poole is probably going to be your starting star. You look for maybe a Tyke Smith to push there, though. With his ACL injury, it'll be interesting to see his development because he's probably not going to be 100% for spring. Javon Bullard is a young name to know that I know Georgia really liked early on in the season and was getting him reps as the season went along there. At the other safety spot, I'd say Dan Jackson is probably your leader there right now. We're going to see what happens between Jackson and David Daniel. Georgia obviously likes what Dan Jackson brings. He was on the field a lot this season. Daniel, obviously the higher recruiting pedigree. He's in his second year with the program. Very impressive young man from Woodstock. Justin Tell's written about him a bunch. We'll see if he's able to crack that starting safety spot. And at the corner spot, it's going to be in spring a battle between Kamari Lasseter, Nylon Green, and Dalen Everett. And I say that because other than Keely Ringo, those are the only three cornerbacks on Georgia's roster. They're very thin right now at that cornerback position. Now, they're going to bring in Jaheim Singletary. They're going to bring in Julian Humphrey over the summer. But right now, there are opposite Keely Ringo. They have three guys at that cornerback spot. And so I would lean Lassiter. This coaching staff really liked what they saw out of Kamari Lassiter this past spring this or this past fall, excuse me, making some big plays was one of the real stars of fall camp last season. And so going into spring, I would have Kamari Lassiter penciled in as the starting cornerback opposite Keely Ringo there. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, a lot of time though, between now and spring practice, that's probably gonna be around your second or third week in March there. That'll do it for us here tonight. You'll have Jeff Sintel tomorrow night um, before the Hedges. Final one before National Signing Day, obviously wrapping up where all the coaches are going and Ben, what the recruiting visits you have out there. It'll be a ton of stuff for you to make sure you turn it, make sure you turn it into that. I've been talking so long, I forgot how words work. Uh, Brandon Adams every Monday through Friday. Unsure if we're going to do a cover four or not this week, but if not, we won't be too far away. Uh, stay tuned to Dog Nation for the latest. I'm going to have a story tomorrow a little bit more fleshed out on what Georgia's offense is going to look like next season from a depth chart standpoint. We'll do defense on Thursday. Uh, obviously, transfer portal coaching news. Georgia at this point in time still does not have a wide receivers coach, still does not have an outside linebackers coach. Obviously, the Mike Bobo rumors are out there. Again, would not be surprised in the slightest if he is an analyst on this staff going forward, given his relationships with Will Muschamp and with uh, Kirby Smart there in the past. Uh, again, only as an analyst. I think you're actually likely to maybe see Buster Faulkner get bumped up onto the on-field coaching ranks going forward. But for all the latest news notes, thanks for tuning in. This has been, uh, excuse me. My name is Connor Riley. This has been Connor and coverage. We're going to do this at six 30 for the off season, so to speak. We'll maybe have to move back to eight o'clock. Uh, once we get back into the season and once we have our usual 
you know, Tuesday night availabilities at the University of Georgia. But for the time being, we're going to go 6.30 going forward. Uh, had so much fun with you guys tonight. We'll be back next Tuesday. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of news. We're obviously going to preview National Signing Day. But for Dog Nation, my name is Connor Riley. This has been Connor and Coverage. Connor and Coverage.